0: let's begin with prayer. Father, we thank you. Stand to your feet, if you would, with me. Let's do this. Father, we thank you. Touch every person on the sound of my voice. Let this not be just a Sunday or another Sunday. Let this be the Sunday that they experience heaven in such a way that has marked, changed, delivered, promoted, guided, protected, whatever they're needing, Father God. Let this be the day. This is the day that you have made. Let this be the day. Let our faith stir within us, Father God, and let us reach out by faith to receive it. Let this be the day that we receive the answer to the prayers that we've been praying. Father God, I thank you that it's not by might nor by power, but by your Spirit. And we invite your Holy Spirit here, Jesus. We decree, declare your Lordship, and we decree and speak the name of Jesus boldly out of our mouth over every situation, over every demon and devil, over every problem and debt, over For every pain and every situation and fear, we speak and decree and declare the name of Jesus and according to your word, Father. Every knee must bow. Every tongue must confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. We've come to give you glory. Therefore, we've come to decree your name. Therefore, we've come expecting the enemy to bow and to back up. Devil, back up from the lives of these people today. We decree and declare no addiction can survive this atmosphere. We thank you, Father God. We thank you. Begin to shout the name of Jesus right where you're at. Come on, shout the name of Jesus like you mean it. Shout it like you're fighting for your life. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Let this not be another Sunday. Let this be the Sunday, Father. And we give you all the praise and all the glory. And everyone shouted. Turn around, tag two or three people and say, this is your Sunday hallelujah hallelujah this is my now look to somebody else that this is my Sunday you got to speak those words let let them be heard by your own ears coming from your own mouth say this is my Sunday sometimes we're waiting for somebody to encourage to encourage us when we're feeling down David encouraged himself in the Lord And when he encouraged himself in the Lord, he began to find the direction of God. And when he obeyed the alignment of the assignment, and when he got an alignment with God's assignment for that situation, what happened? God gave him victory. Some of you are like, I don't know that story. Well, let me just fill you in real quick. David had been running from a king that was not authorized to be on the throne of Israel. God had anointed David already as the, from the prophet of Samuel that, hey, you're going to be the king. And he had to go back to the sheep. But when he started seeing promotion and success and victory, because the hand of the Lord was upon him. Did you hear me? The hand of the Lord was upon him. Did you hear me? The hand of the Lord was upon him. Some of us go through challenges and we get discouraged because we forget that the hand of God is on us. You Don't let the roar and the rumble of a giant, who am I talking to today? Don't let the roar of a or the rumble of a giant intimidate you. you got to begin to encourage yourself and remind yourself, sure there's a giant, but I'll not bend my knee or bow. I'll not do what he's wanting. I'll not back up, shut up, or retreat. Why? Because the hand of God is upon my life. you got to begin to say it David encouraged himself in the Lord and as the hand of the Lord was upon him it began to change things a lot of us want God to bring everything we want in the alignment of our prayers but we don't want to see a change with their surroundings of our environment don't ask me to say that again I can't a lot of us not you People who are watching online, a lot of times in the Christian world, we want to keep the status quo of our world, but we want everything that we want provided in the account. I want to feel better. I want to look better. I want to have better. I want to do better. But God said, I'm going to put my hand upon you, David. I'm going to anoint you to be king. And when he began to do that, things begin to change. Say, shout change. You can't get away from change. When you're seven, you understand the concept of change. When you're 10, you understand the concept of change. Somehow, when we get older, we want everything to stay the same. Don't shout me down. Just look in the mirror. Some of you had the same haircut for the last 30 years. I understand. I understand. Have you ever gone back through old videos of pictures that are like 20 years old and go, oh, I still wear that outfit? Why? Because our human tendency is to keep everything the same. But when the hand of God is coming upon you, and I feel this, this is not in my notes, I wasn't planning on it, but I feel this so strongly in my spirit. The hand of God is coming on many of you in this room right now. Not to everybody, but to people who are hungry. Those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. And when the hand came upon David, things began to change. He might have went back to the old job, but the old job could not keep him in his destiny. The old job couldn't keep him. Some of you are like, God, I know you've called me to do greater, but why am I still in that? Don't worry about the old job. It can't hold you back. At the right time, God will present you at the right place. And what looked like an impossibility, David was just bringing food to his brother. Others. He was only bringing food to some of the people in leadership. David was just doing what his natural father asked him and asked his natural father in the routine of the instruction of his natural father. He did not realize that there was an instruction hidden in the natural instruction. It was the Heavenly Father setting him up. He was going just to bring food. But all of a sudden his Heavenly Father said, guess what David? I have you at the right place at the right time. Some of us, we get at the right place at the right time because of the hand of God. But if we're not in tune to the alignment of assignment, we'll walk by it. We'll be like many that would say, I'm glad this is not my giant. I'm glad this This is not my problem. I'm glad I've just done my checklist of what I'm supposed to do. Now I can go back to the few sheep. But something happened. David knew the hand of God was upon his life. The anointing of God. Because when they anointed you in those days, they didn't take a little bottle with a little bit of oil and put it just a little spot on your forehead not to mess up your hair, not to mess up your clothes, or to stain. No. When they poured it, it was about to change. It was going to change your hair. It was going to change your clothes. It was going to change the aroma of you. It was everywhere you go. When people saw you, they might knew you from before, but when the hand of God and the anointing of God comes on you, things are about to change. Some of you are catching this. The anointing will change some stuff around you. Don't try to keep. Some of you are stressing out because you're trying to keep all the boxes in a line. All the ducks in a row. And God said, take your hands off that. My hand is upon you. Let me change change some stuff let me change some stuff you might not have wanted that change or planned for that change but God will move the right people in and move some of the wrong people out hallelujah Hallelujah. say the hand of God God. is on my life life. change is going to happen change is it's inevitable It's inevitable. It's inevitable. The Holy Ghost don't let you stay where you're at. Because He's got a better place to take you. That's that prompting on the inside. He's saying, do this. You're like, I don't like doing that. I never do that. But today you're going to start doing that. Show up to work early. I like showing up late. Just get there when I go and come. I don't know what the Lord will get you to change. But sometimes we look for the angels. And sometimes it's the practical things of life. You'll go to walk away from a job and the Holy Spirit will tug on you. It's not done yet. It's good enough. It's good enough for my house. Come on, somebody. You ever heard that phrase? The Holy Spirit said, no, that's not good enough. But Lord, I don't want to go back and do it again. I didn't ask if you wanted to go back. I want you to go back and do it again. Because he's developing within you something that's changing on the inside of you. Because some of us, we need a change in our attitude or change in our vision, how we see things, or change in the way we respond to people, or change on who's allowed in our life. And some of us are trying to get, we're getting exhausted, trying to keep everything together. And I hear the spirit of God saying, don't try to keep it together. Just hang on to me. My hand's on you. I'll change what I want to change. He will keep you, the Bible says. You break it down in the original text. He will keep, sustain, and protect your mind, body, and estate in perfect harmony, balance, and peace because they follow my purpose. Say the hand of God's on my life. You say, well, I don't know. I'm not called in full-time ministry. If you're a child of God, you ought to be thankful that the word of God says that his hand is upon your life. Take 30 seconds to give the Lord a hand clap of praise. His hand upon my life. David was anointed. The hand of God came on his life. And when the anointing comes on your life, things are going to change. You might not be able to watch all those movies you used to watch. You might not be able to listen to all that gossip that you used to listen to. You might not be able to hang out at those places with those people. Oh, I've known them my whole life. Sometimes there needs to be a change. I'm not saying go out and start unfollowing all your friends. Pastor said, I can't be your friend anymore because we've been, you're the only friend I've had my whole life. I'm not telling you to do that. I'm telling you, let the Lord do what only the Lord can do. But some of us are trying to keep status quo because we enjoy the memories of what we, where we have been. And it's nice that you enjoy the memories of where you have been. But where you have been can keep you from where God has taken you. Can I go a little farther? Some of us get where we enjoy the memories of where we have been, not because they were good, but because they're familiar. Israel were, was tempted to go back into Egypt because it was a place of familiarity. It was a place where they had been. It's a place they understood. They knew they weren't treated right. They knew they, they, they didn't have much. They knew it was hard, but at least they understood. They had a mental a capacity to understand the boundaries of the way things worked. And they were saying, why are we out here in the unknown? Why are we walking in a journey to the unknown, following a God we cannot see with the natural? Let's go back to the. Let's go back to what we can least control and understand. That is crazy. Four hundred years they've been praying for deliverance from the from the people that are oppressing them, from their bondage. And God sends Moses, and He delivers them. He brings them out. Not one of them was sick. The Bible says He brought them out with the wealth of the wealthiest nation of the world. They were blessed. He brought them out and destroyed their enemies. They had freedom. They had victory. They had blessing. And you know what? They still wanted to go back. Because to go forward, sometimes you have to let go of some things. On how you see some things. I don't know about you, but I like to control things. I like I I like to watch it first. I like to figure it out. I like to have it in control. I like that sense of I'm in charge. I've got it in control, and I don't know what it is. Pray for me, God. The Spirit of God's been working out on my life for many years. To, because to trust in the Lord with all our heart, we have to lean not to our own understanding. The Bible says, in all our ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct our path. See the anointing's changing some stuff. Some of you are going to get around people that you liked and used to hang out, and all of a sudden there's just going to be. A, uneasiness. Have you ever been around somebody that something's not right? You're not clicking. You're not jiving, And they're going to, they, they might look at you a little strange and they might be irritable with you. And they might want to, not. don't feel bad. It's not you. It's the anointing. Now if you're a jerk, it's you. But if you're not being a jerk, it's the anointing. Do you see my point? Some people try to, they get into the anointing and then they lose the anointing because they're not pursuing God. And all of a sudden they try to create the same effect without God. And that's exhausting. And they'll be a jerk and they'll call it the anointing. No, no, the anointing's not making you a jerk. You don't have to be a jerk. We're to walk in love. Can I get an amen? Amen. But you have to understand that the anointing can stir up that demon on the inside of people where before they were comfortable about being around you because you went to church but you didn't talk much church. We are moving in an age and a time where that will no longer survive, it will not be sufficient. Not saying you have to be weird or act radical the way you see some people, but God is calling his people up. He is inviting us as a group to another level. Are you listening to me? What was great before doesn't mean it's going to be great today. The manna you ate before has been changed. Are you listening to me? He is not coming because Jesus is the word of life. He he was born in Bethlehem, the house of bread. He is the bread. And what we did before 20 years ago, it might have made us feel good. It might have made us look good it might have made us. People talk good about us. But at a certain point God's saying there's another level because I'm taking you a place in destiny. And you might not see it in the natural. You might not see it with your physical eyes. You might not feel it with your emotions. But if you trust me with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding I'm going to walk you through. Jesus told the disciples follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And I hear the spirit of God saying if you learn to follow me I'm going to make you what the world couldn't make you. I'm going to develop you to be what the enemy couldn't stop you from becoming. I'm going to do for you what no man no eye has seen, no ear has heard, neither's into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for you, but he reveals them to us by his spirit. You got to be willing to say, I'm letting go of the control and I'm going to trust you with all my heart and I'm going to follow your word. Amen. Say I'm anointed. I'm anointed. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I can't even find my place in the notes because we haven't got there yet. Say, I'm anointed. Say, I'm anointed. Why are you anointed? Because the Spirit of the Lord is upon you. His hand is upon you. David said, you go before me and you walk behind me and your hand is upon me. When you God's hand upon you, quit trying to be what you have already been born into. The devil's got some of us running ragged trying to accomplish what was already sealed by the covenant of the blood of Jesus on the cross of Calvary. We're doing everything to become righteous instead of resting in the reality that He, we are the righteousness of God in Christ. You should pray. You should read the Word. You should serve. You should obey. But some of us are doing it trying to attain for what we did not do in the past. And we feel guilty about the past and so we work hard to try to ignore the past. And I'm here to tell some today. That behold, by the blood of Jesus, behold, all things are brand new. You are a new creation in Christ. You are a new creature in Christ Jesus. You don't have the past. Forget the past. Press toward the mark of the prize. Uh, Come talk to me, church. Is anybody listening? You are no longer who you used to be. You are no longer what they called you to be. You are no longer what they labeled you. You are a new creature in Christ. Say, I'm anointed, and things are about to change. Hallelujah, I'm anointed. Things are about to change. David saw that Goliath and all of a sudden the anointing kicked in. See, some of us are trying to fake it till you make it. Some of you just need to rest in the reality of the truth of who you are in Christ. Amen, amen. The devil whisper, well, if you're really anointed, why don't you do this? Why don't you do all these things? That's what he did to Jesus, if you're really the son of God. Turn that rock into bread because I know you're hungry. But the, the moment we respond to the accusation of the enemy, we begin to move into the method of proving who we are by our actions. And then we are moving into a place of religion. And religion has no place to righteousness. Because we are righteous by faith in what he's done. That doesn't mean you can go out and live in sin and do whatever you want. Absolutely not. Romans 6, Paul says we use our freedom to go back in sin, and he said, God forbid. But I'm talking to somebody. I'm, I, I believe more than one person a day. Because I want you free. Your heavenly Father wants you free into the liberty that he has called you to be. For whom the Son has set free is what? Free oh, I know. I'm talking to the right people today. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. I don't know how it's going in Fort Worth but with Jonathan but I am glad I'm here today. Come on. Well, I'm at the right with the right people today. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. And when David heard the challenge of Goliath, something stirred on the inside. It wasn't a mental idea, though the world might not understand that. It was a revelation. It was the anointing because David had already been anointed to be king. And you have to understand that there was three groups that were anointed in the Old Testament, the king, the priest, and the prophet, each with their own roles, each with their specific. Now, David, we find out later, was able to operate in the other ones too. And we we'll won't get into that right now. But as a king, as the anointing of king, the point of being anointed, as king was to bring the order of God. The kingly anointing was to squash the enemies of God and bring God's order into the earth. So that's why it makes sense when David heard Goliath mocking Israel. Defying, he said, you have defied the armies of the living God. And this day, God is going to put you in my hands. This day, day. say this day. Why did he say that? He wasn't faking it. He wasn't trying to impress somebody. He was already being ridiculed by his brothers. He was already being diminished by the king. But he knew something. And he told the king, listen, the same God who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will be the same God who delivers me from the hand of this Philistine. He knew he could not do it on his own ability. But he also knew something else. That there was a greater one on the inside because the anointing was upon him. And the anointing was stirring him. And he said, listen, you have defied the armies of the living God. I'm telling you, God will stir you at the right place and the right time. Some of us have exhausted ourselves doing 19 things, and it wasn't to the 20th thing. It was the God opportunity. I free you from trying to impress people today. I free you from trying to impress people today. I free you trying to impress yourself, to let people in your family who have told you that you're on the wrong path, that you shouldn't serve God, you should do it other ways. I free you from trying to justify what you are doing by your own actions, and when you begin to say, God, I'll trust you. If it takes one day, 50 days, whatever, I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to obey you, and I'm going to be, wa- be willing to walk into the unknown. Amen. About 15 years ago, I was walking through my office, minding my own business. It doesn't happen every day. I wish this stuff would happen every day. When people say this stuff happens to them four or five times a day, I, I, I'm questioning what they're eating and smoking. Come on, somebody. (laughs) I've been to heaven 50 times. Mm. Okay, good for you. But God can speak to his people. So I was walking through my office, minding my own business, and as I was walking through, heading toward my office, the Spirit of God said so clearly in in my spirit. Now, if this is different to you or strange, that's okay, put it on the back burner. Because we teach around here, you don't look for voices. You look to the written word of God. If you can't follow the written word of God, you're not going to follow the spoken word of God as he speaks into your spirit. But God can't speak to you. And as I was walking to my office, I heard the spirit of God say clearly, "There's there's a moment of nothing before the everything. Can you stand in the quiet without jumping too soon? And I thought, wait a minute, what? That don't even, that's not how my thoughts work. That's not how I talk. And I paused again, and I heard him say again, there is a moment of nothing before the everything. Can you stand in the quiet without jumping too soon? As Americans, we're trained to run and jump, even if we're not too sure. There's a balance to everything. Some of us run quickly. Some of us don't run at all. Some Christians, you got to motivate them just to do something. Some Christians, you got to slow them down just to find God. There's a moment... and. Usually, anytime the Lord drops anything on my heart, I'm looking for a scripture. I figure if it's the Holy Ghost, that he can give me a a Bible verse, because he wrote the Bible. The Bible says that the word of God was not written by man, but inspired by the Spirit of God. Is there? So, all right, Lord, give me a scripture. What happened when Jesus came? Before Jesus came, it's known as the Dark Ages. There's a moment of nothing before the everything. Can you stand in the quiet without jumping too soon? and since then i've cultivated and tried to continue to work and try to improve on lord i want to be able to stand where you tell me to stand i want to walk when you tell me to walk i want to move when you tell me to move i want to shut up when you tell me to shut up some of us just think that if we're talking as spiritual sometimes you got to keep your mouth shut and it's more spiritual sometimes you got to open your mouth and speak when everybody else don't want to speak Jesus said, many will come to me in the last days and say, Lord, Lord, didn't we? And they list all these great things. And he said, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. And that word iniquity in the original text, in the original language, in the Greek, it literally means you who did unauthorized works. Some of us are jumping way too fast. Some of us never jumped even after God said go. And we we get to where we judge and qualify and quantify everything by the results instead of by our obedience. Praise God for success and results. But there's a lot of successful people that aren't in alignment with God's assignment. Oh, I got, I'm, God's blessed me, I'm so rich. Yeah, but if you didn't do it God's way, then there's sorrow added to it, the Bible says. I will bless you. See, we're, we're not against blessing in this house. Now, some churches, you can go and they'll, they'll tell you that God doesn't want you blessed, and then they'll take up four offerings. Does anybody ever think about that? And they get mad at the people for not giving enough. Or they'll tell you that tithing's not, no longer, that's Old Testament. And they'll use Malachi 3. That's, they don't understand the context of tithe and covenant. But Malachi 3 not only says tithes, it says tithes and offerings. Isn't that funny how they don't bring them both into the game? That's getting quiet around here. See, God doesn't mind you having stuff. He just doesn't want stuff to have you. But the Bible says, God says, I will give you the power to get wealth, and I'll add no sorrow to it. There's a way to do it God's way. Say God's way. way. Jesus said, I haven't come to do my will, but the will of the one who sent me. The words I speak are not my words, but the words of the Father. The, The actions, the miracles you see are not me doing them. It's the Father doing them. He was in complete alignment with the Father. He was in such alignment with the Father, the Hebrews tells us that he was the the visible image or the expressed image of the invisible God. Which, if you want to know the heart of the Father, you look to the Son. It's in the light of the Son that you see the Father. It's not in light of the book of Job that you see the heart of the Father. It's getting quiet. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. (laughs) Blessed be the name of the Lord can't tell you how many funerals I've heard people say that. and I just want to smack them. Because Jesus said that the Father is good. There is none good but one. and there's, Did Job say it? Yes, but if you study the whole book, you'll find out Job later repents for speaking of things he did not understand. We serve a good God. We serve a good God. Jesus said that whoever get, the only way to get into the kingdom of heaven is to obey the will of the Father. We have lowered the will of the Father to a place of convenience. And hence we are not concerned about it if we get at the alignment of God's assignment with our lives sometimes. Because we know that, hey, you know, let's lighten up a little bit. Because if we miss it, we can always repent. And you can, but you can't go back and change the missed opportunities. David could have looked and said, you know what, that's uh I know salvation will be future and and I know God'll forgive me, so I'm just gonna hang out here and And yet many people have, then they feel bad, and then they go back 12 years to try to regroup where God told them to go last. I've heard people preach this, and you can believe or disagree. I don't care, but it's it's a matter of I've heard it preached. Just go to the last place you stopped obeying God and pick up again. Well, what if God told you to marry somebody 15 years ago, and you didn't do it? You're supposed to go back and find that person? God told me to marry you 15 years ago. Yeah, but they got four kids now, and they're married. You know, that's... Some opportunities you just have to let it go. But there's power in the assignment. There's power in the assignment. We saw last week that the power in the assignment gives us access to God's power. Mark six and Deuteronomy twenty-eight. The power of that assignment gives us access to God's provision. Isaiah fifty-eight eleven and Psalms eighty-four eleven. The power of God's assignment, that divine direction gives us God's protection, Isaiah 49, verse 24 through 26. We all need the direction of God in our life. Amen. To get into the alignment of God's assignment, we need not only the word of God, we have to follow the word of God. We have to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Proverbs 21, 2 says, every man's ways are right in his own eyes. We'll fill that on the screen. Every man's ways are right in his own eyes. But God judges God say God judges. God. Every let me read it. Proverbs twenty one two amplified. Every man's ways is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs and examines the heart of the people and their motives. Which means that if you ask people, "Are you on the right path?" They're going to say, "Yeah," because in their own perspective, it's right. And I'm not trying to get you to where you live under guilt or fear. That's not the goal. If you get that out of it, you misunderstand what I'm saying. But some of us have been climbing the corporate ladder only to get to the top and find out the ladder's been leaning against the wrong building. There's got to be a way where we can understand the assignment of God so that we can get in alignment with God's assignment for our lives. It doesn't mean that you're called to preach or to be a pastor and evangelist. But wouldn't it be nice to know that you are in the will of God in your life? Say, I need divine direction. We access divine direction. We talked about direction demand, and destination. We're still on that direction point. We access divine direction by following his word. Remember, everything must come in alignment with God's word. If an angel shows up, this is Paul talking. If an angel shows up in your room tomorrow morning at 5.58 a.m. If this happens, you gotta YouTube it, please. Video and send it to me. See? But if an angel shows up, Now, Paul didn't say it that way, right? So so if an angel shows up in your room at 5.58 a.m. and preaches a different gospel, ignore it. You say, wait a minute, that's an angel. I need to listen to angels. No, we listen to the Word of God. Paul literally said, if an angel shows up and preaches another gospel that I'm not preaching, that's out of alignment with what's being said here, ignore it. But you know what a lot of Christians do? They're more into mysticism than they are revelation. If something looks spectacular and shining, gives them the right, and are you listening? I believe with all my heart, we are in the last of the last days. There is stuff going on in the world right now in the natural that they have been trying for for years, but things are coming closer and closer. And I'm not going to get into that. Just search it out. I mean, they're getting ready to do a meeting in November through December the nations of the world, wanting to create a seven-year treaty in an effort to, it's called the 2030 plan, trying to save the planet. Seven years, an interesting number? And they've already acknowledged that it will create a tribulation worldwide. But, and they need, in one of their agendas, they're needing to reduce the population. Their estimate is 25% reduction. They'd probably change that number if their family was on the list. You say that'll never happen. Read Revelation. We're a third of the population's destroyed. And in their plan, they're wanting to create a digital identity that everybody must wear on the back of their hand. And without it, you can't buy or sell because it will monitor what you consume and what you do, and if you, if you burn up too many carbon points, then you no longer can buy fuel or food or anything. Interesting. You're saying, well, that's not the mark of the beast. Mm, we're talking maybe six-inch change, and all of a sudden it's there. The concept's there. The technology's there. And the Bible says in the last days that many people will be deceived by lying wonders, which means that demons will begin to manifest and do stuff that demonstrates power. We, uh, we all know that Jesus is all-powerful. And according to, in comparison to the power of God, the devil has no power. But never think he doesn't have any power. His power is so minute compared to God. But even back in the days of Moses, when he, God said, Moses dropped the rod, and I'll make it into a serpent. What did, the, what did the Pharaoh say? He called his magicians up and said, do the same thing. And it happened for them too. We go, what? That's your OMG moment. But God said, watch. And the serpent or the snake from the rod of Moses swallowed up the snakes. So the question is, and one of the concerns is that if we don't understand the, the power of the word and the foundation of the word, and the word is, the Bible is the foundation. Not what we think it says, but what it actually says. The Bible says study to show yourself approved." And I'm not trying to condemn any people. I'm trying to protect you. There's some people out there that escape from prison. Lock your doors. That's not con- condemnation. That's protection. Right. And the enemy will try to demonstrate power to confuse people because he's a deceiver. Right. Right. And many people, the Bible says, in the last days will be deceived by lying wonders. Just because something can demonstrate power doesn't mean it's the power of God. Just because some someone can give you your address or your, your favorite friend's name when you were a kid doesn't mean that they're legit because there is a familiar spirit that can figure out stuff about your life. And people have been deceived because they just, they chose to follow the, what they didn't understand, the kingdom of darkness. Why? Because they didn't understand the power of God's word to protect them. We need, everything must come into alignment with God's word. Anytime someone gives you, anytime someone tries to give you advice, spiritual advice, and again, here's my rule that's worked for me real well. If I had three glasses of Coca-Cola, i just say Coke because that's the product that Chick-fil-A serves. Come on, somebody, say a minute. And you're like, Pastor, I'm so thirsty. Can I have one of those glasses of Coke? And I said, sure. But, oh, by the way, I actually put poison in one of those glasses. Well, which one? You know what? I don't remember. But you're welcome to have any of the three. Anybody with common sense would say, I'll pass. Say, I'll pass. You don't have to swallow everything that comes down the road. Just because someone's knocking. You teach your kids that. If someone's knocking, what do you ask? You all are good parents, aren't you? You don't say, open the door wide and say, come on. And you don't invite them in. You don't open the door until you know who's on the other side. That's just wisdom. I like to say it this way. Because in our court system, everyone should be innocent till proven guilty. But when it comes to guarding your heart for out of it flows the issues of life, everything is guilty until it's proven innocent. But I like them. You can like them all you want, but that doesn't mean you need to do what they're telling you to do. But they're anointed. They might be anointed 99 out of the days, uh, out of 100, but you might be on the 100th day. So just because they said it, it must be in alignment with God's word. And if they're going to be so spiritual, say, God told me to tell you, just ask them, where is that in the Bible? I like it. You know, that's one question that saved me so many times from arguing with people. I just ask them, "Where where is it in the Bible? You'd be surprised how many people think they're super annoying, but they can't give you the scripture where it's in the Bible. You're like, I know. I just feel it inside. Every cell of my emotional body is telling me I need to tell you this. Where's that in the Bible? Yeah, there's too many people that are led by emotions and not led by the Spirit of God. That's why it doesn't matter who they are. We love people. We honor people. We respect people. But we only follow the revelation of God's and following the leading of the Holy Spirit. Huh? Yeah. <sighs> Are you doing okay? Oh, yeah. So it must be in alignment with the word and we must follow not only the word but the leading of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. The Holy Spirit leads or guides. If you take a notes, write this down. The Holy Spirit guides us into truth with peace in our spirit. The Holy Spirit guides us into truth with peace in our spirit. The Holy Spirit guides us into truth with peace in our spirit. Did you get that? We're going to pick up next week. That's where we'll start. Because I want us to understand how the Holy Spirit leads us. Some of us are led by the Spirit. We think it's the Holy Spirit, but it's an emotion. Or it's a fear. Or it's pressure from people. If enough people tell me, it must be God. Maybe not. If it's real easy and smooth, then it must be God. Maybe not. God sent people into battle. There is a way to understand how to to be a a vetting process, a testing process that when anything comes to us from other people or from our own time in the Lord, that we can line it up and say, is this in alignment with the word of God? Have you ever built something? I've tried to build things and it doesn't work for me. I, I don't have that gift. I'll eyeball it. I don't need to measure it. I'll just make it work. You walk away and that wall you think is straight and you walk away and put it up next to a plumb line and it's crooked. There is a way to measure through the Word of God, the leading of the Spirit, so you're not led by offense. Number one tactic of the enemy is to lead people by offense. You're not led by pressure or opposition. You're not led by emotions. You're not led by your still carnal ambition that wants it so much that you're willing to jump over the timing of God. There's a way to monitor to judge it to test everything. We're going to talk about that next week. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? If you're here today and do not have a real relationship with Jesus Christ, I'm not asking if you know about God. I'm not asking you to join a church denomination religion. The question here is in the way you process and the way you experience is Jesus Christ real to you today in a way that you know for yourself that he's real and your Lord and Savior with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you hear and say, Pastor, I've never heard the gospel. There's some people I know that are listening to me right now that have never heard the gospel, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. He sent Jesus to die on the cross for our sins, was buried for us, and on the third day rose again. And because of that, we have a new covenant, new contract, new testament, whatever you want to call it, with God. That our sins can be forgiven, that guilt and condemnation can be wiped away. We can be right with God. We can go to heaven and miss hell. God did not send Jesus to condemn us. He didn't send the church to condemn us. The Bible says he did not send his son to condemn us for the church, excuse me, for the world was condemned already. He sent Jesus to condemn us to bring us back and reconnect us to the father. Maybe you're here and for whatever reason you used to be saved but you lost stuff to come between you and God and you know your heart's not right. Or if you prayed that prayer the third group is I'm talking to is people that say you know I prayed before but I you know I really don't know but I want to know that I'm saved. If any of those three are you, at the count of 3, Revelation 3 tells us that Jesus said, I stand at the door or I knock. If you open up, you got to do something. I'll come in. Romans 10 says, those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's a prayer that comes from your heart that you, that you must confess with your mouth. With a heart, man believes in a righteousness. With a mouth, confession is made unto salvation, Romans tells us. So I'm going to lead you in a simple, short prayer for salvation. Let it come from your heart. Say with me, Heavenly Father. I turn to you today. I believe in my heart, and I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that He came to this earth in the flesh, died on a cross for my sins, was buried for me, and on the third day rose again for me. Because I believe that. I ask you, Jesus, to come into my heart wash me in your blood, forgive me, cleanse me, give me a fresh start. Say, Jesus, I don't want a religion. I want a real relationship with you. So I open up the door of my heart and life, and I invite you in to be my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for saving me. I boldly decree. I boldly declare that today I'm saved. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise.